Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Streamed and Screened, an entertainment podcast about movies and TV from Lee Enterprises. I'm Terry Lipschutz, a senior producer at Lee and co-host of the program with Bruce Miller, editor of the Sioux City Journal and a longtime entertainment reporter. Bruce, what's on your mind today? Any Anything good? Come on. Last weekend was the weekend of the cocaine bear. Can I not say I, I saw, I mean, I had to see cocaine bear. That was my Friday night fun. And it's about what you think. It's about as high concept, low quality as you would expect out of a film titled Cocaine Bear. But you got to give them the due because come on, a title like that, you're going to look. You want to see what it's all about. And it's based on a real case. Uh, in the 80s, uh, Bear did get into a stash of cocaine and died. Now, that doesn't make much of a movie, right? So they have all these people that are being tracked by this cocaine bear who's just uh, ravenous for any kind of cocaine he can find. So he's looking for everybody. And then they go kind of gore fest with it where he'll lop off a head or take an arm or whatever. And there are laughs in it now. So cocaine bear, it is what it is. Okay, so the, the title is literally a bear that, that's into cocaine because right. sometimes you you have a name for a movie and it's just, it has nothing to do with reality. It's just a code this name. Is like or... snakes on a plane. Right. Yeah, There's snakes exactly on a plane. It, it makes me think of, uh, if you ever watched How I Met Your Mother, the last season during Robin and Barney's wedding season, where they're talking about the wedding and Barney says, yeah, and we have the ring bearer. And and Robin's like, you mean ring bearer? And he's like, no, no yeah, ring, ring bearer. <laughs> ring, ring bearer? No, no, ring, yeah, ring bear. And there's like literally a bear that yeah. brings the ring. Yeah, it's a ring bear. So this is a cocaine bear. Uh, this no is a relation. cocaine bear. And I think that says it all. That's all you need to know. It's a lot of TV people in it that, you know, you've seen anything. And one that you might know, Alden Ehrenreich, who was in, I believe, Han Solo. Han Solo. Oh, yeah. I believe he was the solo Guy. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they never talk about a sequel on that thing, but there you are. Okay. But he is kind of um, embraced by the cocaine bear. Mm -hmm. In other words, almost smothered by the cocaine bear. So, yeah, it's, you know, it is what it is. If you want to see it, go see it. It's not long. Um, and it's one of those ones that you know is going to have a sequel. Okay. Well, the show so, is called Streamed and Screened. So I might, I might opt for the wait. streamed. Yeah, you might wait, right? You might wait. Well, what did you see this week that was fun? Just dove in. Speaking of Han Solo and Star Wars and that universe, just saw the first episode of Mandalorian season three, which is and... one of my first. It's it's good. We're we're back into it. Episode was a little bit shorter, but we picked up kind of where we left off in that. Uh, I guess season two and a half with uh, the the book of Boba Fett, which wasn't quite a Mandalorian, but it was. We're, we're picking right back up it's it's a solid it's a solid show i mean as, as a star wars fan lifelong star wars fan i i enjoy it um I, yeah i mean you know we're, we're picking back up he's with baby yoda again grogu they're he's looking to kind of redeem himself because for those you know, spoiler alert in case you oh, haven't seen okay. any of the seasons but um 
the Mandalorian took off his helmet, which is which is something you you shouldn't be doing as a Mandalorian. So he's got to redeem himself. And uh, yeah, I mean, Grogu had kind of gone off to Luke Skywalker's Jedi training, and but he's back. So the you know the 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 buddies are back in action and and traveling across the universe. So it's good. It's I, I like the show. It's I don't I don't want to say I, I think it's my second favorite Star Wars show after Andor now, which is the one that debuted in the fall which i I think better oh yeah Andor to me maybe like better than half the movies it might if i were to rank Andor and the tv shows with the movies we're talking like Andor might be number three for all time but doesn't Andor have an end date so you really can't keep going correct we know just like rogue one which is kind of the prequel to the original star wars Andor is a prequel to Rogue One. So we're going to catch up at some point. You have so got to go to Disney World and ride all those rides. I do. Yeah. The last time I was there was before the the Star Wars one opened up. The hotel isn't doing that well. So maybe you can get a cheap rate on that. Right? (laughs) Exactly. So speaking of Mandalorian and its star, Pedro Pascal, I've also been watching The Last of Us. Have you watched that at all, Bruce? Did not. Because I've heard too many people talking about it. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to dip into it until they're all done with it and they're done talking, and then I'll watch it. Okay. So was it good? Did it live up to the hype? Yeah. So we're we're kind of closing in. We're in the back half of the the first season, assuming that they're going to do more than one season. I don't know if it's a limited run or what. I guess if it does well, they'll come up with a season two regardless. But it, it's Pedro Pascal, who is the Mandalorian, is also the the main character. Uh, Joel in The Last of Us, and he's he's a survivor of uh, an apocalypse, an illness that kind of takes out most of the world's population, and and he has to get a girl, um, Bella Ramsey, who is in the Game of Thrones, and has to get her across the country. And we don't know re- where you are right now if they're making it. Right, we're we're kind of you you know we've made it a good chunk of the way across the country, but. We're not quite there. I think there's about three as as of this recording, we've got about three episodes left. Um, so and it's based on a, a, a game. Yeah, a it's based on a video game. I I've, I don't, I haven't played video games regularly in a really long time. I touch base with my youngest brother, who who is still a bit of a gamer. He played The Last of Us video game and, and he likes both the TV show along with the game. So it's not just a we're stealing the name and then good luck. Right. He he says that the storylines match up pretty well. Uh, there's certain things that you you can do in the game that wouldn't translate well to the TV show and vice versa. But he he thinks it holds up pretty well, you know, all things considered. HBO has been on a bit of a kick on kind of these like apocalyptic end of times or just dark period type shows sure. for a number of years. So you, they did The Leftovers a number of years ago with Justin Thoreau. And I thought that that was a pretty good three season program uh i thought season one was pretty good season two not so good (laughs) but the third season is one of the best seasons of television i've ever seen it was just such an emotional season It, it very it's just emotionally crushing i felt it to be but it was also there was also kind of like that light at the end of the tunnel too so you know very depressing but you kind of saw that there was maybe something out there anyway so they did that a number of years ago and then last year with 
uh, Station Eleven, which was another one where a flu wipes out most of the world's population, and and it's just these survivors that kind of go around the traveling symphony that go around the Great Lakes performing. And there it's kind of like the humanity that still survives. So for me, like Last of Us has some elements, I think, of each along with zombies. (laughs) So it's got that sci-fi kind of like almost horror level to it. But it's the emotions of the characters are ultimately kind of what keeps bringing you back so i i i enjoy it my wife and i really like it um she didn't like station 11 all that much she kind of tapped out early on the leftovers avenue five did you watch that no i didn't watch that one you know i somebody at hbo has some issues and they need to kind of work on it and maybe go through therapy instead of trying to give us all these shows where we're supposed to then start thinking, oh my God, it's ending. The world is over. Help! You know, because i that's what it seems like. Yeah. I, I, I am one who, I don't know if you're like this, but when I come home from work, I've dealt with reality for so long that I don't want to be in that world. And I will look for comedy to begin with. And if comedy isn't there, I will look for something that's fantasy because, you know, Reality is sometimes a little too hard. I agree. And then, well, I guess the other couple things probably live up to that. So we've been talking a little bit about the Oscars last few episodes. What? There are Oscars? I know. No, tell me it isn't true. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah, it is. Tis the season. Uh, I've been getting caught up along the way. I still haven't seen all of the nominees yet, but I'm really, really close. So this past weekend, I know. I'm what really close with you. I am so ready for the next year. I have chewed over all these old films how many times? And I even think I should go back and watch them one more time just to make sure. But uh, beyond me, beyond me. Yeah. But you finally watched. I finally watched. I saw the Banshees of Inishirin over the weekend and then uh, followed that up with everything everywhere all at once. So so Banshees, if you sat me down and turned it on and just said, watch this. And then give me your this thoughts. Yeah. My my initial thoughts would be like, is this like a Cone Brothers movie? Because it was, it's, it's, that's kind of what it felt like. Like it's sure. completely ludicrous on one hand, but it's pretty good too. And it's, it's an un, unreal situation that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it's a weird relationship movie, which is similar to a lot of the ones that the Cone Brothers do. So it's almost like to me, an Irish Cone Brothers movie. And you, when you first start watching, you think it's contemporary. Right. And then you realize, wait, this is a period piece. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's 100 years old. Irish oh. Civil War. So, but I guess those kind of things still go on. So it fits. Yeah. It was, it was cutting off fingers, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then you like everything or not? Do you think I everything did. does it have it? Is it going to win? I think so. I'm now I haven't seen I didn't get a chance to see the Fablemans. I didn't get to see Tar, uh, Triangles of Sadness or Women oh Talking. God. So I've missed a few. So I can't I can't. But I feel like I've seen all the ones that probably will win, have the best chance of winning. I, I liked everything. At first, I was a little bit lost because it's kind of all over the place. Is it a spy movie? Is this some weird uh, sci fi movie? What's going on here? But the way it progresses, it, it really hit home for me because it's it 
at, at the end of the day, it's a relationship movie. It's a, it's a movie about um, family, husband, yeah, family, the things that we deal with during. I mean, what it's based on taxes. I mean, that's kind of like the central theme is getting, you know, getting your taxes done, which is and this time of year. Is it, it not is. timely? I know. Yes. So, you know, you have that, you have the relationship between mothers and daughters and, and fathers and their kids. And I, I, I went into it somewhat, you know, I've heard enough of it. So I kind of knew I was getting what I was getting into, but I was still a little bit skeptical that this kind of like weird multiverse sci-fi action-y almost comic book movie could be possibly nominated and, and maybe even a favorite to win an Oscar. But by the time we got to the end of it, I was like, wow, this this could easily win. Yeah, there's a lot there to unwrap. And I think that's what people like about it is that it isn't so simple, which a lot of them are, mm -hmm. um, that one one viewing is enough. This is definitely a repeat viewing kind of film. And I think it's it, it's on the track to win because of the SAG Awards, the Screen Actors Guild Awards this last weekend, it cleaned house it won uh, Best Ensemble, which is kind of their version of Best Picture. It won Best Actress for Michelle Yeoh. It won Best Supporting Actress for Jamie Lee Curtis, which was a huge surprise. Everybody thought that it was going to be uh, Angela Bassett. And then it won for Best Supporting Actor, which is the done deal one. That's going to happen. He is going to win Best Supporting Actor. He was but wonderful. Jamie Lee Curtis is could be the spoiler. This is the one where you go, whoa, what? And if she gets enough votes, she will beat Angela Bassett. And it would be a, a good throwback to the history of films. I think that's a cool thing. And she was very fun. She talked about being a Nepo baby. And I thought all that kind of, yeah, it works. She's on target. She could win. They could clean house with this on Sunday. I thought Jamie Lee Curtis, to me, was even a bit of a surprise in this because I... Yeah, you know, she's in it. We, I know what to expect from her. And then we get into it and it's like, well, this is a whole nother role for her. This isn't what I normally see out of Jamie Lee Curtis. She's playing a character and she's good at it. Yeah, she's good at it. She's very funny and hot dog fingers. You can't go away <laughs> from hot dog fingers, you know. So I that's our, our big spoiler. I think everything everywhere is going to do a lot of business and it's going to be big. And I think that's the one you're going to look for. I don't know now if Kate Blanchett can beat Michelle Yeoh as best actress. And I think Kate Blanchett is fine with that too. She wants to see this happen. So we'll see what goes on at the Oscars. Um, can I tell you, we'll be able to tell during the opening moments who might have the edge. And it all hinges on what color dress they're wearing. Oh. Um, a group called touchcasino.com did a survey, looked back at all the old Oscar uh, telecasts and found that the number one dress color of winners was black. Wow. So if, if Jamie Lee Curtis is coming out in a black dress, look for her to win. And Angela Bassett, if she's wearing a green or a gold one, out of luck. And wow. second place was white. So we'll see if you wear a black and white dress, you're hedging your bets. <laughs> Right. So that was kind of a, an interesting piece of trivia that has come out. And that's what we see a lot now is these people coming out with. And if you know that in the last 93 years that there's only been one person who did whatever, 
they'll win. And that's the kind of stuff we see now as we get closer to the Oscars. Is your prediction then everything everywhere to, to take the best picture? I, I have stuck with them as best picture for a long time. And I, the only thing that could possibly beat it is, is Top Gun Maverick. And that's because they want to say thank you for the work they've been able to do um, bringing people back to theaters. But I don't know that they don't play like that. You know, no. they gave they gave them a special award at the Producers Guild. They didn't give them best picture. And so I think I think it's everything everywhere. It's going to win best picture. Do, do you see any other movies possibly slipping in there? Because I now again, I said I, I didn't see all all of them. But to me, that one was above and beyond the rest. And, yeah. and I don't know. To me, it almost felt like a little bit of a weak class of films altogether. I don't know if you agree with that or not. It oh. just I, I didn't see there's been some years where I've looked at whether it's been five pictures or 10 pictures that get nominated and be like, wow, any one of these could possibly win. But I didn't feel like that this year. I feel like there's some good movies, some really good movies, but not a whole ton of them. Best picture should stand the test of time. It shouldn't be something that really that one best picture. You know, it's it's there are ones that are on the list, but mostly it has to have that kind of Oscar heft or that Oscar feel. And a lot of women talking is a very interesting film where they discuss toxic masculinity. That's kind of their theme there. But it's set in a like an Amish community and the people are just basically talking. They are not there's not a lot of action there. And I. I don't know how you could ever find that as best picture. Avatar just repeated its steps. Right. What it did in the first one, it's recycling. Uh, um, All Quiet on the Western Front is a remake of a film that already won. Is that really something that you want to give it to? The Fablemans comes close, but I think it's lost its, its momentum. I don't think it's there anymore for Steven Spielberg as much as they love him. Um, he could at a very minimal uh, level, pull out best director, but I don't think he will because I think the two Daniels from um, Everything Everywhere are going to win that. And come on, it it's makes a great narrative that we have this. This is, this is interesting. We're opening the doors to different concepts, to um, minority actors being in leading roles. There are a lot of things that this unpacks and that would be great for the Oscar narrative. When we talked, uh, I don't know if it was a week ago or two weeks ago, we were talking about movies and, and you know, would, would there be a huge winner, somebody that just kind of like dominated and and you suggested that we're probably beyond that. There's not going to be one that kind of cleans up necessarily, but it almost sounds like you're changing your tune just a little bit here. I think that this could win director, actress, supporting actor, maybe supporting actress, screenplay, and then it could get one of those other kind of technical things that's a lot yeah especially since in recent years two three maybe four awards is kind of the maximum we've seen um so yeah i think it's an everything night consider this a segue green book green book is one of those films that shouldn't have won really shouldn't have won nobody mm. picked it nobody had it on their list coda last year was another one that really wasn't the front runner but slid in because of momentum and excitement and the screen actors guild 
um, gave them a big boost because they picked them as best ensemble. Okay, Green Book was one of those ones that, yeah, it's nice, it's good, I like, kind of like it, mm, we're okay. And it won Best Picture. I think it won three awards. It was directed by Peter Farrelly, right. who was the brother of Bobby Farrelly, who they had done a lot of kind of goofy comedies. Um, something There's about something Mary. about Mary, yeah. Yeah, Kingpin with Woody Harrelson. Right. And now, because he won the Oscar, Peter is so busy, he doesn't have time to do movies with his brother, even though it isn't like they had a big rift or anything, but he is doing his own thing. And so that left his brother, what am I going to do? Friend Woody Harrelson came and said, hey, I've got this idea. I'd like to do this. Would you direct it? And he's all in. The movie is Champions. And we got a chance to talk to Bobby about Champions and what all that amounted to. It's based on a Spanish film. And Woody plays a coach of an Iowa, get this, an Iowa kind of semi-pro team where he gets booted from the team. And as a, a thing he has to do, you know, some kind of community service. And so they have him become the coach of a rec league um, that the kids are kind of headed toward um, uh, Special Olympics, uh, kind of like that. I mean, they use those signs, but they never really come right out and say we're going to Special Olympics, but a team. And they're kind of a ragtag team, and he's got to get them in shape and get them ready to go. And it's very charming, very, very charming. Um, and we talked to Bobby. He talks about Woody. Woody was a roommate of his brother's a long time ago. They um, know each other really well. And I think this is a kind of a a cool way of changing the narrative for people who have certain disabilities. That sounds interesting because it's it's certainly when I saw initial discussion of this movie, and I, I might have caught a trailer for it a while back. My initial concern was like, well, wait, what are we doing here? Is this, you know, is this an appropriate type of film? Or well, this... are you making fun of people? Right, exactly. You know, and that has changed. And he does talk about how he couldn't do something about Mary now because people would say, what, what is this? But there is a still a way to have fun, get laughs and still make a good picture. So interesting. That is interesting. So we, yeah, we have the interview here, so we're going to cue that up in a second. But one one interesting thing that I was thinking about, this is with Woody Harrelson in a basketball movie that kind of takes him back to some of his earlier- White movies. Man Can't White Jump. White Man right. Can't Jump. So is Woody Harrelson now working himself into these like basketball movies, kind of like Kevin Costner became the king of baseball movies. He could be, you know, this could be a whole new world for him. He is also in one of those films you haven't seen. Triangle of Sadness. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's in that. So if you really want to see, he's really all over the place. I think he's doing what he wants to do. And if it's a film that he's kind of passionate about, he's in. All right. That sounds good. So we will move on now to that interview with Bobby Farrelly. Bobby, I've got to ask you, why did you set this in Iowa? Uh, you know, I got to blame that on uh, Mark Rizzo, the screenwriter, because he he wrote the screenplay, adapting it from the Spanish movie, uh, Campeones. But he, I, he, he said it in... Uh, Des Moines, I think he just wanted to have that feeling like it's middle America. He didn't he didn't want it to be in L.A. or New York or one of the coastal cities, so he, he picked Des Moines. And it looked really cold. <laughs> it looked freezing. Well, 
We did not shoot in Des Moines. We shot I in know, Winnipeg. In Winnipeg yeah, in and Winnipeg yeah. is, is a pretty good double for Des Moines. And whether or not most people look know what Des Moines looks like, I don't know. But it was freezing cold. We were in Winnipeg. Is a, yes, it's it's bitter. Does it, does that have a good talent pool to draw from? Uh, and like, how did you get the friends? Where were they? Where did you collect them from? The friends, we had that open casting uh, call all over the country, all over Canada. We, uh, the one thing that we wanted to accomplish with that is we, we wanted to have people that did know the game of basketball that came, that, so that we were looking for people that played in some kind of Special Olympics or rec league for you know, uh, disabled athletes. And uh, so we, we put the word out into those groups. We sent some, you know, some uh, sides out and they auditioned and we had hundreds and hundreds of people send us in their, uh, their, their videos of them auditioning. And we found these 10 that, that we ended up casting and we got the right 10 because there isn't a one of them who, who didn't nail it. They're amazing at acting. Is that, was that a surprise to you? Did you say, golly, it, it's easier than I thought, right? <laughs> well, I think that the the trick well first of all it's not a surprise because i've worked with people with uh you know in the dis d disabled community before sure they're every bit as good actors as, as non-disabled actors there's nothing about it what that, right. you know that where they had a disadvantage it was just getting the chance to do it is, is the disadvantage so when they got the chance they nailed it but what we did making the movie is that we whatever however the characters were written originally we we kind of with each one we we just sort of said well, got them to play a little bit more of a version of themselves so because it was much easier for them to know how they'd say something or how they'd do something than than what's written on the page you know so that was a bit that was a big help to us it's just kind of lean into like what would you say what how would you say that and then when they started doing it that way everything came together quickly the actor who plays Johnny, I think, is just incredible. You are absolutely right. He's an incredible actor. We had him on scenes with, with Woody and Caitlin and, and, you know, actors who have been working for 30 years, and he never, ever skipped a beat. He never held them back, he ne and he's, he's a young actor, you know, by actor standards. He hasn't done too much, and he held his own in every single scene we put him in. How was Woody as a coach? Woody helped me so much as the director he 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 because he had such a good rapport with with all the all the athletes the disabled athletes that he would be out there on the you know in uh, running the you know the the scene and if the guy made a little mistake Woody would back him up himself so he was doing a lot of the work that I would have had to go out and do and he it was such a help to me it was incredible because they they love Woody and they listen to him and he he was a very generous actor he really helped them a lot does Woody still have game though? Is he still good at basketball? You know what Woody's good at? He's he he is. He's a good shooter, and yeah, he actually he's a remarkable athlete for his age. Okay, he he can still run and and jump and all that. But what he's good at is doing something under pressure. We'd have hundreds of people there, like extra, you know, people in the stands, and we'd say something like, "Does anyone think Woody can hit this shot?" And everyone would be like, you know, he so he'd have to do it under the gun. And he's he's more likely to make that shot when he's got a big crowd watching him than than when he's just shooting by himself. He's that guy. He comes through in the clutch. It's pretty remarkable. God bless him. At that <laughs> age, right? <Isn't> that... <laughs> when when you looked at the original film, yeah, how does it differ from this one? I mean, what are the? Is it an entirely different kind of film, or 
do you see hallmarks? In I don't think it's entirely different at all because I think you know the general through line and the and the message and all that is very similar. But I think tonally, it's a little bit, it's a slightly zanier, if you will, than uh, ours. We wanted to make it de definitely set in the real world, real people. Had to believe that these guys are all exact, you know, real people that you might bump into. And in the Spanish one, I think they took the liberty, as we do in our other movies, where it's just a little bit broader, a little bit zanier, and, and it can be funnier if you, if you go that way. Uh, but it's more real if you make it where you actually believe these are people you might meet. Has the comedy world changed so that some of the things you did earlier in your career uh, probably wouldn't fly now, or is that yeah. still viable? No, it, it's changed. It's changed a lot. You know, the whole world's changed, right? It's it's a little harder to joke about a lot of things, but uh, yeah, we couldn't make. I don't think we could. I don't think we could make. Like, there's something about Mary. I'm not sure you could make it right now, uh, which is <laughs> kind of too bad because it it you know it makes people laugh and uh, right laughter's good. And and we need that more than ever. Right? I think we do more than ever. I, I, I agree with you. So hopefully this, hopefully this movie finds its audience and all that. But I think I think comedies will come back. I think it'll. I think it's kind of just a cyclical thing. Uh, I think society just went through a phase where they became more serious a little bit. But people want love to laugh. So I, I think it'll all come back. What's the dynamic like when you're not working with your brother? Is it a lot easier to do a film because you don't confer or? No, I don't think it's easier because when we confer with each other, it, it, it gives you certainty and strength and confidence. You know, like if we're if, if we're both on the same page, it's like, OK, we got it. Let, you know, let's move on. But when you're by yourself, you got to make a lot of decisions on your own. And that, uh, you know, sometimes can be daunting. But, you know, we've been doing it for a long time. So, uh it's both. They're both. They're both fun in their own way. But I, I love working with my brother too. So when you decide to do something like this on your own, what what's the motivation for that? Is it just you're both busy with something else? So it's just like I'll do this by myself. Yeah, it was the timing uh, that uh, my brother Pete was was out working on a, a, a different movie at the time, and then Woody wanted to had found the original uh, movie and he, he wanted to remake it he just loved it so much he was very passionate about it and I was like when when I saw his passion and read the script we, Mark Rizzo wrote a great script I love the original movie so it just it was the right thing to do do you ever talk we could do a sequel or is that a little too early to start talking about about uh, on champions uh, yeah I would I wouldn't I, I guess we'd have to wait and see how the first one, the audience reacts to the first one. But I, I'll tell you what, I loved working with this cast. And uh, that was, it was so enjoyable that I would work with them again in, in a minute. Well, and I thought Caitlin was a real surprise too. She's doing a different character here than we've seen before. And I love how she's so kind of snappy with him that it's like, well, wait a minute here, you know? I love. I absolutely love the performance Caitlin gave. It was it was completely different than anything we've ever I've ever seen her do. Uh, so it, it it's great to see her, but she's doing a, a new character, and I totally believed her. I totally believed that person, and I loved her. I thought she was great. She was a little bit flawed, and it, it, in all the right ways. It was like it was very real. I just thought she was she was brilliant in it.
And how good were you at playing basketball? Can you play basketball well or not? Uh, I can play a little bit, but I'm not as good as, say, Woody. Yeah, well, well come on. You know, you're not the coach. That's why. <laughs> hey, Bobby, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Some really solid insight there with Bobby Farrelly. Uh, it sounds like a really fun movie, and, and I think it's one that I'm going to put on the list to check out. And you'll be able to see it like in the next year. There you are. You'll wait until the last week before the Oscars, and then you'll say, yeah, I should probably see that if it's nominated, right? Isn't that how you roll? Exactly. Here, I know exactly. you too well now, and it hasn't been that long. I but, know. Um, yeah, it's, it, I'm, you know, I'm of the mind now that I'm ready for the Oscars to be done because it's been such hype. And it almost is like a career for these people because they're going to all these award shows. Every week there's an award show. And it's a multi-million dollar business for caterers when they didn't have the Oscars and all that stuff leading up to it. They lost big business. Limousine drivers, costumers, um, designers. The jewelry industry, all of these things are making big bucks off what they call award season. So after it's over, then they kind of settle down for a while and then we're good. We can rest a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Who's going to slap who? They right. even hired somebody to make sure that that doesn't happen. So I don't know if they have slap guards on the side that will rush in and grab you if you have your hand raised at, at some point. Um your so arm cannot that. your arm cannot move more than like 40 degrees if above it's your head watch out you can't be waving at anybody because that could be a sign that you will be grabbed <laughs> that's right they have said they will charge you if you slap somebody this year right they they will so prosecute you you've got to save the slapping for after the ceremony it'll that's have to be one of those parties at vanity fair we're going to do a little slap fest there but otherwise yeah so it's exciting. You have like one week now to get those last movies in to be able to see everything, and then you can vote properly. That sounds good. So we're, what we're going to do is, I know you're heading off. You've got some time off immediately after the Oscars. Right. So we're going to talk right after. It's fresh, fresh off the uh, hoof here. Uh, it's like we're a cocaine bear, and we've just absorbed all of this excitement, and then we're going to go crazy right after the. Um, right after the Oscars. That sounds good. So we will we will do that. Hopefully there will be no slaps. We'll be just talking about movies. That's all we want to talk about is the winners, not, the not losers. Slapping. No, no slaps. No. So Tara, I'm not near you. I can't slap you in person. So we're good. We're good. Okay. That's right. And this is the time. Creed 3 is coming out in theaters. That's one that people will want to see. Uh, Michael B. Jordan directed. That's an interesting thing to talk about. But this week, see something good or stream something good. Thanks, Bruce, and we will be back again next week. 